Welcome to the Get Cozy Podcast, where we talk all about that coziest of book genres, the cozy mystery. I'm your host, Christy Meyer, and I'll be bringing you weekly author interviews and keeping you up to date on all the hottest upcoming cozy mystery releases. So grab yourself a cup of your favorite hot beverage and let's get cozy. Hi, hello, my cozy friends. Welcome back to Get Cozy Podcast. As always, we have a fabulous guest author today, and we're going to be discussing what specific qualities are essential to any amateur sleuth and whether or not we have what it takes to crack the case. But before we dive into that, let's welcome our guest author to the show, Wall Street Journal bestselling author Abby Collette loves a good mystery. She was born and raised in Cleveland, and it's a mystery even to her why she hasn't moved to a warmer place. She's the author of the Ice Cream Parlor Mystery Series, as well as the brand new Books and Biscuits series. So, Abby, it's such an honor. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking about cozies, so this is just awesome for me. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. And first of all, I have to say happy book birthday because the day that we're airing this episode, the third installment of the Ice Cream Parlor Mysteries, <laughs> A Killer Sunday, will be hitting bookshelves. Yes, yes. Yes. Yay. I'm so happy. And did you see that cover? Oh, it's oh just so gorgeous. I just love that cover. You have the best covers. They're so bright and fun. I just Thank love you. them. <laughs> yes, they do a very good job. Um, and uh, the the person that does them is just, I don't know where she comes, uh, they come up with this, these ideas, but I just love them. And I'm trying to real quickly find their name on my title page by Vian Nugent. Okay. All right. Yeah. So she, yeah, her covers okay. are just gorgeous. Yeah. Vian Nugent is uh, just, I don't know, they're just vibrant and bright and even though they convey the little sinister part of murder you know in the book uh it's it it just fits cozy mysteries so well um, mm -hmm. her cover so yeah. yeah I totally agree they're just that brightness like a hint of murder but you also know it's going to be a cozy pleasant reading experience and I actually this is one of the first cozy mystery series I ever picked up because oh. the covers were so fabulous <laughs> Oh, really? And then yeah. you started this podcast. This is a cozy podcast. So. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Thank you. Of course. And uh, can you tell us what Wynn is going to be getting up to in Chagrin Falls <laughs> in your latest novel? Well, in the, in the um, one that's, that's out today is um, she, she's got her food truck. So in the second book, she was just working on it and having it designed, you know, she had commissioned a food truck. So it's out um, uh, on its maiden voyage at a festival that's happening in Chagrin Falls. And she's serving ice cream from uh, from there. She's hiring a new person because now it's just so busy in, at the store and with the truck. Um, and she's also solving murder, of course. Of course. And I was lucky enough to get to read an advanced copy and I oh, loved this book. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's so fun. Like I love watching Cruise Creamery grow and watching Wynn yeah. like tackle new, cha new challenges. And um, Maisie had me just like cracking up. <laughs> this book. So, it was such a great time. 
Yeah, Maisie, because I was, you know, when I first wrote the first couple of books, people were like, oh, Maisie's just over the top. So I actually patterned Maisie um, from a friend of mine. Her name is Molly. Molly's like 72 years old and she has the energy of a 24 year old. She is always bouncing around. She's over the top. She tells you the same story three and four times with the same energy, you know, <laughs> and she is just Maisie. So I thought I got to put, you know, when I write uh, per characters, I usually like a hijack someone's personality. I'll steal personalities because that's so much easier. You know, they're authentic because it's from a real person. Right. You know? So with Molly, I go, oh, I had to take Molly's personality and put her somewhere. So she's Maisie. And when people, a couple com uh, reviews that I got saying, oh, she's just too much. She's just over the top. I, all I could think of was, oh, I've pegged Molly to a T, you know? <laughs> So I thought when I was writing the, uh, when I got the reviews in from the first book, I thought, okay, I'll tamper Maisie down a little bit. But Maisie just will not sit down. You know, I don't care what I do. I gave her chicken pox and it did not stop her. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm just going to let her be and just, you know, whatever reviewers say, you know, they haven't met Molly yet. If they met Molly, they would go, oh, you know, so. Well, and this reviewer loves Maisie just the way that oh, she is. And, good. Oh my goodness, the chicken pox. Uh, it, it's so funny. It, the way that you write that through the novel is so funny. So. Good, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Yeah. I have fun with that. Oh, I bet. And you did recently launch another new series as well, um, Body and yeah. Soul Food. So that's the first book in your Books and Biscuits series, which came mm -hmm. out on November 9th. All right. Yeah. So before we get into talking about Amateur Sleuths, do you want to tell us what that series is about as well? Sure. Body and Soul Food um, is a, a story about a set of twins, fraternal twins, a boy and a girl. They were... Uh, orphaned, abandoned when they were two years old. They're not sure where their mother is, so they don't know if they're orphaned um, or not. Uh, but they were abandoned at, when they were two. And the girl, her name is Keaton, uh, she was actually adopted out. And the brother, the boy of the set, um, grew up in foster care and group homes. And it was when he got a little older, it was a boy there who was older than he uh, was and he told him he said you know when you came you had a sister um, and I just tell this in a backstory you don't actually see this in the book and he, so uh, his name is Kobe he decided to go out and find his sister when he turned 13 he, that, he made it his mission and he found her um, and the book starts when they're adults and they've opened up a bookstore um, and soul food cafe um, as he's growing up in foster homes and things, Kobe picked up some cooking skills from the different houses and especially one from his foster mom that he calls um, Mama Zola. So uh, so that's his niche. And Keaton was a librarian until her brother came around and decided they could be entrepreneurs together. And so she runs the books side of Books and Biscuits. That's the name of their store. And um, there's biscuits, signature biscuits, um, soul rolls and tea, but then there's lots of soul food going on there too. And as I always say, of course, there's murder. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and oh my goodness, it's so great. I loved the the brother sister dynamic, and I just have to tell you that that book made me so hungry <laughs> while I was reading it. Like 
I can always tell what cozy mystery I'm reading by looking at my DoorDash history of like the food that I'm ordering. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's the best I've heard about cozy mystery. Yeah, you know, am I getting bakery stuff? You know, mm-hmm. am I getting? Well, I don't know where you got soul food from. There well, are a lot of soul food places. I yeah, there's not a lot in Salt Lake. So, <laughs> I mean, it probably wasn't like the, the same quality as the restaurant yeah. in your novel. But, you know, I will take what I can get. <laughs> well, whenever we meet in person, I will make you some soul food. Oh, my goodness. I Something out of the book. Definitely <laughs> take you up on that offer. <laughs> So the sleuths in both of your series are so great. They're such a pleasure to read about. And sleuthing definitely is not something that just anyone could do. So what traits do you think any successful amateur sleuth would need to possess in order to crack the case? Well, they have to have curiosity, right? They have to um, want to, to, or be able to get through uh, an investigation. You got to be curious about things and ask questions. As I was coming up, I was always the inquisitive one. Uh, I always wanted to know why something. And I think that's why I kind of gravitated to writing Cozy Mysteries, because I can put my why questions into my story. But in all my stories, I always make the the amateur sleuth, uh, at least one of them, reluctant. Uh, because people just don't run into a murder. You know, someone's killed someone. And that someone is, you know, at large, lurking around, maybe, you know, really close to you. So I I don't like for, um, and you know, different people do this differently. I don't like that when amateur sleuths just jump right in with no reason uh, and no rhyme and start looking for a killer. Um, They should be thoughtful about it. So I I think that they have to be kind of analytical because they have to put clues together and not shy about talking to people and trying to get answers from people. Or, you know, um, they also have to be um, kind of like creative to, to get information from different places, from different websites, from social media, being able to Google things. Um, so I think all those things are important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, most of the amateur sleuths we see in cozies certainly have a lot of drive as well. And we see that <laughs> in Wynn for sure in the ice cream parlor mysteries. Like she's always just going above and beyond to make her family ice cream shop a success. Yeah. Um, so what would you say motivates Wynn to work so hard? I think Wynn works so hard because of her grandma Kay. And it's a whole family, the family dynamics. And she loves her family. A lot of cozy mysteries, people come home because the protagonist will come home to their small idyllic town where all these murders will happen because they've broken up with a guy, had their heart broken or they lost their job or whatever. But Wynn came back because she was homesick. Um, she missed her family. She missed that closeness that they have, you know, how they have the um, family chef night, um, little things. And everybody worked in the shop at some point as they were coming up. And she spent, you know, all her time, you know, tugging on to her grandma Kay's uh, apron strings. So, I think that's her drive. It's a family thing. Her her grandparents uh, weathered a lot of storms to get that um, ice cream shop up, you know, to get it started and to get it going. And she just has that in her that it's, you know, this is family and this is what you do. You, you help family. And I think that's what, you know, 
drives her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, I just love their family in this book. Like, oh, they just give you all like the warm, fuzzy, <laughs> lovey vibes. They are so delightful. And Pop Pop is just my favorite. He is so great. <laughs> Lots of people love Pop Pop. I'm going to have to do more with Pop Pop. I hear that often that people enjoy him. I have this um, affinity for elderly people. I just do. Um, my grandson gets me all the time. We'll be driving down the street and he'll say, Oh, Grammy, look at that old man or look at that old woman. I go, where? I put on brakes. You know, does he need help? <laughs> what, what's going on with that? And he just smiles. He goes, no one's there, Grammy. I just knew you'd stop. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, so because funny. I'm going to try to help whatever old person, you know, and, and they're out here probably doing better than me, walking to, you know, Walmart or that's around the corner and getting their daily exercise in. Probably right. eating than me and stuff. But I'm just always thinking if they need me, I'm here to help. So you'll find in all my books. I have someone that's older. I always put older people in my books. I have one series that the woman, the one older woman claims she's a hundred, but she's Southern and no, so it's not polite to ask their age. So no one really knows how old she is, uh-huh. you know? So um, that's why Pop Pop comes along. Cause I had grandma Kay um, had passed away. So I, I needed that older person um, because that's where the wisdom comes in in the family mm-hmm. too, you know? So um that's how Pop Pop, and I get so many people do. They say Pop Pop was my favorite. I'm definitely gonna have to do something more. Put him in a little bit more with his backgammon game and all the stuff that he does. Oh yeah, we'd love to see more of Pop Pop, and I love that he's just like <laughs> slightly a little bit grumpy sometimes. Like I just I adore that. That makes him like even cuter. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So it's basically a job requirement for an amateur sleuth to live in a cozy community. And I did not realize that Chagrin Falls was a real place until I read the dedication in A Killer Sunday. (laughs) Yes, it is a real place. Um, It's a suburb of Cleveland where I live, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, And it actually, everything that I described there in Chagrin Falls is true. It has a triangle in the middle middle of the village. It's a village. Instead of a square, there is a waterfall that uh, bisects the city, uh, the little village. And one part is, you know, the big falls that you that you think of seeing. Not nothing like Niagara, of course, but the regular falls. And the other one's a little small falls. Maybe the waterfall is over two or three feet. Um, the bigger one, I'm sure, is probably twenty feet or something. And there really is a store that sits on the uh, the larger fall. Um, and it's, um, and there is a window there. It's not as big as a window as I have in mind. Uh So, and they sell ice cream in that store that it's actually a popcorn shop, but they also sell ice cream. And when I went in there, I thought, oh my gosh. Um, when I got to Chagrin Falls, I thought, oh my gosh, I have to kill somebody here. This is the perfect (laughs) cozy mystery setting. It was just idyllic. All the people were smiling and talking. I took my grandkids and we did this grueling research, you know, on ice cream. We had, we bought all kinds of ice cream and we had to eat it. You know, it's just, you have to. it was almost, yeah, it was almost too much research, but you know, um, <laughs> and so we sat outside and people were just talking to me. I go, this is what you need in a cozy mystery. You got to have neighbors that will talk to you and let you know what's going on. You know, you have to have a small setting. And it should be idyllic and pretty where you never think anything would happen. So um, 
I decided to do it. And I talked to people around and they were happy to have me do it. Uh, like, oh, that would be awesome. So that's what we did. It's a, and it's the only time um, I've written a cozy mystery with a real city. I, you know, of course, I always use real states, but uh -huh. this is the first one that this take, takes place in a real town. Wow, that is so neat. And it, like, <laughs> Chagrin Falls is just so charming. And yes. uh, I've I've managed to convince my husband to go on a couple <laughs> of vacations to like real locations that I found out cozy mysteries were set in. And so now, like naturally, we have to go to Chagrin Falls. <laughs> yes, you have to come to Chagrin Falls. But it's okay. Um, you should come like during festival time. The festival that I write about in um, uh, A Killer Sunday actually is a Memorial Day festival. Uh, and so come around Memorial Day because they have the, they actually do have the balloon glow oh, where wow. you can, um, you see the balloons, they light them up at night, just like I described in the book. Um, and they do, what are they called? Aeronauts, I think, balloonists. Um, and they actually take the balloons up during the day. And I do think that you can get rides on them and they have, you know, all the food trucks and things around during the festival. It's really nice. A lot of fun. Um, so, and then, as I said, it's a suburb of Cleveland and, you know, Cleveland, we have everything Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and lots of uh, attractions to see. So yeah. it would be a good vacation. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You, you've got me sold. I'm sure like all of our <laughs> listeners are going to be like booking vacations frantically after this episode comes out. So. <laughs> well, I'm sure the Chambers of Commerce will love that. So. Yeah. Let them know like what a contribution you're making. Yeah. <laughs> So on top of being a part of a close-knit community, Cozy Sleuths usually have backup in the form of family and friends. And then obviously we've talked about Wynn has her amazing family. And then she also has her two besties, Maisie and Rhea. So mm -hmm. which side character has been the most fun for you to develop and write? Um, so I call her Raya, but no one else Raya. does. Raya, okay. I, that's Raya. what I call her. No one else does. Um, I think Ryo is the most fun, even though she's not in it as much. I mean, because for for her, I had to do, you know, put some personality. I don't I, I have a, uh, a sister in law who has a fiery temper that you just don't see it coming, you know, but uh, she's not. So that's about probably the only thing where I've taken someone's personality. So I kind of built her uh, on my own. And it started with that. Um, in the first book, A Daily Inside Scoop, with the father making that uh, Raya omelet, you know, and I thought, oh, yeah, I got to make her spicy and I got to make her, you know, um, uh, you know, hot. And so that was her temper. She's hot tempered. Um, I, so I think she's a lot of fun. But Albie, the mom, is fun, too, because she's a lot like me. Wynn and Albie are like me. I'm a lot. Like Albie goes to parking lots and sits in her car. And I do that all the time. And recently I discovered that I also just stop. You know, I, I'm driving and I just stop. And I didn't realize I do that. I did uh -huh. that until someone told me. So I've taken my personality and put it in the two of them. And so that's fun to write because I think which part of me am I going to reveal, you know, in my <laughs> story to, to other people so they see the real me. That's so neat. And I do have to say, like, if I was an amateur sleuth, 
and I needed to have backup in the form of a friend like Raya for sure (laughs) would be the person that I would want to have on my team like she would get stuff done (laughs) yes she would and and I want a friend like that that's why um I love doing that and I try to get my granddaughter to take uh taekwondo or karate or something because I just think that's so cool but you know it's juxtaposed against her um, her ability to be, you know, caring as a medical professional, you know, even though she's got that hot temper, she has uh, joined the medical profession and she really, I tried to show in the second book how she cares um, and, and handles patients and things uh, just to show that, you know, that temper isn't always there um, and that she can uh, tamp it down when, tap it down when necessary. Oh, yeah. She's for sure like a very well-rounded, well-developed character. I just love her. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So another thing that any amateur sleuth has to have is an interesting day job. And (laughs) when, of course, runs the ice cream shop. And then we see sleuths for anything from like librarians to bakers to genealogists. So if you could have any cozy career outside of the publishing industry, what would you choose? a cozy career that I would choose in real life mm-hmm. living houses. Ooh, I love that. I do too. I love that concept of flipping houses. I watch all those shows on HGTV. Oh, me too. <laughs> and I want to be able to, and I love to like decorate them too. So when I flip them, I would want to stage them. Um, but yeah, I would love to do that. And there is a cozy series. There, I think it might be two cozy series. Um, one is still going. I don't know about the other one where it's, uh, you know, flipping houses kind of series. But oh, my gosh, that's that would be my cozy job. I, I was always in an analytical field. I was a lawyer. I was an economics professor, visiting economics professor. So I always had analytical kind of jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. That's just like a hands on kind of job that I think I would love. I know I love. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. I If I had to pick like a cozy career, I would want to be a pumpkin farmer. <laughs> That's um, a good one. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The, and that would be a good cozy. Are there any cozy mysteries out there that are, uh, that there's a pumpkin farmer? I don't know. But like, if anyone listening to this knows of one, like, please let me know. Cause I would right. love, love to read it. Um, right. I love pumpkins. Like we have a little like amateur pumpkin patch at our house, but to Uh to, like one of the big giant pumpkin patches and have that Uh, be my living, that would be my dream come true. That is awesome. (laughs) I saw a Hallmark movie where there were uh, a tulip farm. Oh, fun. And then there wasn't one, but I don't, it might've been pumpkins. It was, but it's a Hallmark movie. So it's not a cozy mystery, but that it just automatically drew my uh, thoughts to that. That would be so awesome. That's a good hook for a book. Yeah, I agree. Somebody needs somebody needs to write that, Abby. I'm just yeah, saying. <laughs> I agree. Oh my goodness. So most sleuths worth their salt have a collection of mouthwatering recipes, and many <laughs> oh of their God. authors are kind enough to share those with us in the back of their novels. And mm-hmm. so I was wondering, do you come up with the recipes in your books by yourself? Um, no. I, I tweak them. I may come up, I may find, you know, like a pumpkin ice cream and then I tweak it and put my own little stuff on it or a mint ice cream and I tweak it. So I sometimes I take like things that I see in a few recipes and put them uh-huh. together. Um, I wrote that in my, a book one time that I wrote. My daughter used to always say, 
um, my mother can take uh, two eggs and a glass of water and make a seven course meal because I'm always like, mm, I have some of this and I can put that in there. And so I do that with my recipes. Now for the soul food recipes, um, things like collard greens and biscuits, um, those were like passed down to me. And if you, if you, in the back of uh, Body and Soul Food, the collard green recipe, is like maybe three pages long uh-huh. because, you know, uh, I knew that I didn't know exactly what I put in there. And I asked a few friends and no one could say, oh, you put this much fat or this much fat. Uh, soul food is a tasting kind of thing. You put something in it, a little of this, a little of that, and then you taste it. And then you go, oh, it needs a little bit more, a little bit of this, you taste it, and then you let somebody else taste it. Here, taste this. You know, so it's not a recipe that you can really write down. Right. So those kind of recipes were handed down to me. That's the way my mother, she would never say, oh, you need a cup of this in there. She'd say, put a little of that in there. Oh, did you put this? And she frowned up, you know, did Uh you put that in there? You know, she could taste everything. Um, So, yeah. Biscuits are more exact. Um, you know, you got to get the right amount of things in it to make it fluffy, the right amount of butter, a little cold water, and those kind of things. And then the soul roll, uh, I actually uh, stole from a friend, but then I see I see them on uh, menus in different places. So I don't even know now if she came up with it. Um, but yeah, so I, I do a little both. I come up with things. I love to, uh, that's the other channel I watch, Food Network. I love to put things together, uh, just open up my cabinet and see what's there and what could I make out of that kind of person. I'm not a, really a recipe kind of person, uh-huh. but um, for things that I don't know how to make, like a cheesecake, I used to didn't know how to make that. So I initially looked up a recipe and the ice cream, you know, I had an ice cream maker. It had a little ingredients. I mean, directions on the side of it. We made a couple ice creams like that. But to venture out and say, okay, this is store worthy. I could sell this. I did, you know, get a little help from a recipe initially. That's so neat. And I love how you've been able to like integrate like some of your family recipes in your book. Like how cool is that? (laughs) Yeah. Pass it down. Yeah. And I like, I will admit I am a horrible cook, but I, uh, (laughs) I roped my husband and my sister into helping me make recipes from cozy mysteries sometimes. Yeah. Cause they're, they're wonderful chefs. And we, uh, we actually made one of the ice cream recipes from a deadly inside scoop. And I think it was a pumpkin ice cream, if I'm remembering correctly. Like this was when the book like very first came out. So it's been a while, but it uh-huh. was so good. <laughs> well, glad you like it. That's fun. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love hearing that. Thank yeah. you. Now I think I'm like plotting in my head like we don't have plans Friday night so I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have to have them come over and help me make some of these soul food recipes like I'm just the sous chef and they do the rest of it but that sounds like a great night (laughs) are you not a good cook oh I'm a horrible cook (laughs) I uh, I'm a little short on patience when it comes to things like cooking and crafts yeah Um, yeah, like I'm just like, oh, it's good enough. Throw it, throw it together. And that usually does not work out very well. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you could not be the amateur sleuth in a cozy mystery. Yeah. Because they, they do crafts and they cook. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I could not. I would be a terrible amateur sleuth. <laughs> yeah. We probably can make it. That's why you're sleuthing, because you're just like that good at what you're doing. And, you know, so you need something else to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
So frequently sleuths get a bad rap for being nosy. And Wynne is certainly like hesitant to involve herself in yet another case at the beginning of A Killer Sunday. But she Mm -hmm. can't seem to stop herself from thinking about the murder and asking questions. So do you think that Wynne is a nosy person? Oh, no. She's just usually trying to get Maisie not to do something. (laughs) Maisie is definitely... I don't know if Maisie is just nosy or driven, you know, because she watches all those TV shows. But I don't think that Wynne is nosy. I think Wynne is more analytical, and I think most of my characters are. uh, They're analytical. They... Some things just don't make sense to them and they need to figure out what's going on. Uh, for when each time so far, it's because she's helped someone that she knew. You know, the first book, her dad was kind of being accused and Rory in the second book, uh, Game of Cones, was uh, being looked at as a person of interest. And then the third book, it was someone, it is someone that she knows, uh, that she grew up with. And, and uh initially her brother made her feel that it was her fault that she was dead that the person was dead so i don't think that she's nosy i don't know how i'm going to keep that up uh because you, I mean, <laughs> you can only know so many people you know and 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 someone they know is murdered so um we'll figure that out but no i don't think any of my amateur sleuths i don't think that i ever made them nosy yeah, I agree. And I uh, I really like the way that you develop their motivations for why they're getting involved in these mystery cases, because uh, I think that you do it in a way that's very believable. So it helps like as a reader to just suspend that disbelief right. about, you know, an ice cream shop, uh, uh, ice cream shop manager, like jumping in and solving a murder. Like for me, it makes sense the way that you present it. Thank you. I'm glad because that's exactly what I try to do. I, I want it to be believable. Like I said, no one's going to run head first into a murder investigation. Um, but sometimes people do sit around and they, they talk about it and they think what could have happened. Uh, in real life cases, I used to be a lawyer. In real life cases, they'll, they'll call the lawyer and say, you know, I was thinking that this happened. Or they'll call the police detective. Have you checked this? They'll really do that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, nine times out of ten, they won't follow that lead themselves. And go. Right. And talk. So you gotta, you gotta make it believable. That, believable that people are gonna approach someone who's just killed somebody. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and understandably, you know, local law enforcement officers do get a bit annoyed with amateur sleuths, uh, despite mm-hmm. the fact that they are sometimes the ones who ultimately put the killer behind bars. Um, and I do have to say that I really enjoy the dynamic you've created between Liam and Wynn in the ice cream <laughs> shop mysteries. Uh, like Liam certainly has his moments of irritation with Wynn's investigations, but he also like respects her as a person. And they have like this really fun, friendly banter throughout the novels. Uh, so are we going to get to see more of Liam in the forthcoming novels? Yes. Um, yes, he'll always be around. And, it, you know, it seems that Raya has a crush on him. Mm-hmm. Um, most times, not most times, oftentimes in Cozy Mysteries, it'll be the um, amateur sleuth, the main character, who has some kind of relationship uh, romantically with the sheriff or the chief of police or who's ever, you know, the law enforcement. But I didn't give that to... Uh, when so maybe uh raya will do that and she'll have mm-hmm. some kind of relationship but raya's always chasing after him she thinks he's cute yeah. she's got his home phone number you know she's just uh after him right. he, 
he doesn't know yet. So maybe we'll do something with that, but he'll always be a part of it. Yeah. Oh, good. I, I love him. And I love the way that you uh, did like kind of put your own spin on uh, kind of the, the amateur sleuth detective relationship that we usually see where it's either it either becomes romantic or it's just like super contentious. Right. And this was, a, this was a little bit more fun and I enjoyed reading it. Good, I'm glad. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. So outside of your own series, who are some of your favorite amateur sleuths? My favorite amateur sleuths? Um, let me think. So I love Ellie uh, Alexander's uh, Big Shop Mystery yes. uh, books. Um, who else? Um, oh, VM Burns has a great uh, bookshop mystery series too. And uh, she's got great characters in there. They're, you know, full of, of flavor and full of fun. And uh, so I like that. Um, uh, those amateur sleuths in, the, in that book. Um, yeah, I need and, to pick uh, that one up. Um, and of course, yeah, it's Mama Joe and. Uh, I like um, all of Agatha Christie's amateur sleuths. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just has a way of putting these suspects in, and they whatever they're doing, you know, seems like it ties to the murder. You're reading it, and it ties to murder, murder, and then when you get to the end, it has absolutely nothing to do with the murder, and it's just amazing to me how she can do that, how she can weave that storyline in. And I always try and I always fail <laughs> to do that. Every book I set out, now I'm going to give them their own story and it, it will seem, you know, this group of characters, it will seem as if it's they're the murderer, but it'll be something different. And I've been unable to do that. So I love all of hers uh, because I aspire to be yeah. able to write like that. So yeah, they're phenomenal. And um, I, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but my, so my grandma turned 90 this year. And oh, so, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, and, and she's just one of my favorite people in the world. But to kind of like stay busy through the pandemic, we've been a uh, buddy reading Agatha Christie books. And like <laughs> neither, like every single book, neither of us has been able to figure out the killer, like even once. Right. And I think we've read like seven of them now. So, right, you can't. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely couldn't hack it. As an amateur sleuth, I'm doing terribly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, yeah, that's great. Um, it's exactly how it should be where you can't figure it out to the end. And mm-hmm. that's what I worry when I write that, um, will people be able to figure it out? I don't want people to be able to figure it out. I will say that I definitely did not figure out the killer uh, in your most recent book. I I thought I had it. Like I was convinced <laughs> I had it and I was wrong. So. <laughs> well, you have to tell me afterwards who did you think it was? We won't we won't tell say it on the air. Yeah, no spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the big question of the day, Abby, is do you think that you could hack it as an amateur sleuth? Oh, yeah. And I really already have because as a lawyer, I had plenty of criminal cases and I would have to, you know, get my client out of whatever trouble it was they were in. And I had to play the sleuth 
to um, to investigate and find out, you know, to get evidence to use in court and in trial. Um, I did a, a few rape cases and uh, wow. I would have to, you know, sign And one rape case had DNA evidence, you know, to say that he did do it. And so I had to go and figure out things. I had to look through phone records. I had to, um, you know, talk to people, go and talk to people, uh, and recreate what the scene, look at pictures, go through reports from police officers and things. So yes, I think that's uh, one of the ways that, reasons that I can do this is because I've kind of done it before. I never did a murder case, um, but it's basically the same thing. You know, you find conflicting evidence because all you need is reasonable doubt in a courtroom. So, um, and to be an amateur sleuth, you don't need anything, but your uh, intuition, your inclination, because you don't have to prove it. You know, you you find out what they did and you present that to the law enforcement, whoever it is, whichever book, and they go from there. Right. Wow. Like your previous careers have made you just like so qualified to write cozy right. mysteries. It's amazing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think I've already established this, but I would be a disaster. <laughs> I like I'm terrified of dead bodies. I'm not nosy. My main goal in life is just to be cozy at all times. <laughs> so I love to read about them, but I definitely could not be them. Well, you're making me want to write about an amateur sleuth like you, who just is afraid of dead bodies. <laughs> Works in a pumpkin oh, patch. Funny. Works in a pumpkin patch, right? And there's and they're always running into dead bodies. First one I'm sure would be in their pumpkin patch. Pumpkin yeah, patch. yeah. Oh, and please yeah. write it. Please write right. it. I, I would be all over that. <laughs> so I am so looking forward to more books in both of your series. So can you tell us anything about what you're working on right now? Um. So I'm working on the second book. In the body and soul food is called um, Soul of a Killer. I'm working on that. And then uh, I have ideas for the fourth book uh, in, in, a in the Ice Cream Parlor Mystery Series. The fourth and the fifth book. So hopefully. Awesome. Oh, I'm always so excited to hear that we're getting like more and more books in each series. Like when you're a reader and you're, you love a series, like you're always on pins and needles. Like, are they going to keep going? Are they going <laughs> to stop? So that's I great know. news. The author is on pins and needles, too. Yeah. <laughs> Wondering if they're going to keep going or what. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that they are. Um, and before we wrap up, let's do a quick round of lightning questions so readers can get to know you, Abby Colette, a little bit better. Okay. All right. So coffee or tea? Neither. Well, neither. I, one. I, I don't know. They're equal. You can say neither. That's an acceptable answer. Okay. I don't I don't have strict rules on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was getting nervous. Okay. <laughs> and the book you're reading right now. Oh, um, Death by Bubble Tea. <gasps> Lucky, I'm jealous. <laughs> by Jennifer Chow. And yes, it's so I can't fun. wait. Yeah, it's fun. And one of your favorite movies of all time. I have so many. My Fair Lady, Rain Man. Yeah. I think those are my two favorite movies. Those are great. Mm -hmm. And your favorite season? Spring. 
I guess. No, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question. I don't know. <laughs> and it might be fall too, because my favorite months are September and May. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. That's when the weather is just usually perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And what's your favorite genre to read? Mm, mystery. Mystery. And your favorite food? Oh, my goodness. It used to be pizza and chicken. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that I have a, do I have a favorite food now? I don't know. It's probably chicken because I eat chicken all the time. Mm-hmm. Roasted, yeah. roasted, fried, boiled, broiled. I don't care. Give me chicken. So you I would can't say, go wrong with chicken. No. And even when I travel to other countries, that's what I always say. Can't go wrong with chicken. Find a chicken on the menu. That's what yep. I eat. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and who is the author that you'd most like to meet? Oh. Um, probably Celeste Ng. Oh, yeah, that would be amazing. She came at, so we have this amazing local indie bookstore here called The King's English, and she came and did a book signing, and it sold out before oh. I got tickets, and I have been, oh. like, devastated for years. She is so amazing. I read yeah. her book, Little Fires Everywhere, and I was just in awe because she, um, I mean, how do you take a story about some kids going to school and a lady who watches them and keep a, some, a reader on, on the edge of their seat? I mean, it was just right. so good. And it was just about normal everyday life, but it was uh, filled with conflict and tension. And it was just really, really good. I agree. That's definitely like one of those books where you're just like white knuckling the pages. Like, yeah. the whole thing. Right. And it's, I mean, and there's nothing to it. You know, she talks about the kids. She talks about the lady who... Um, watches the kids, the photographer, like, and the mom. It's just like everyday kind of stuff, but it's like very good. Yeah. Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Well, to wrap things up, Abby, do you want to tell our listeners where they can connect with you online? Oh, sure. I'm all over everywhere and be sure to come and find me. I'm on Twitter at Abby Vandiver. Uh, that's my handle. And then Instagram, Abby L. Vandiver. Um, because I also write as Abby Vandiver, Abby Collette and Abby Vandiver. And on Facebook, which I don't go on there much, I'm Abby L. Vandiver, author Abby L. Vandiver. Um, and then my email address is Abby L. Vandiver at AOL. Uh, everyone tells me since I have an AOL account, I show my age. So <laughs> yes, I'm old. And um, what is, I did all of those. Okay, so yeah, and so come follow me, chat with me, email me. I'm fine with that. Um, I love talking to folks. Uh, if you if you're writing something, thinking you're writing, would like to write a cozy mystery, you got a couple chapters. I'm happily will read them. Um, I love the writing community. I hang out with writers all the time. Wow, that's so generous of you. And just thank you so so much for your time again today, Abby. It has been so much fun getting to chat with you. And I'm just going to be like eagerly awaiting your next novels over here. <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you again. And listeners, thank you for listening. Stick around for a couple of cozy mystery recommendations that you definitely aren't going to want to miss. At Get Cozy Podcast, we're going to be ending each episode with recommendations for some upcoming cozy mystery releases that you simply can't miss. So without further ado, here are a couple of cozies to add to your to-read list. 
this week we're starting off our recommendations with one book that I know we've already featured on the podcast, but I simply can't let the month go by uh, without recommending once again that everybody pick up Bake, Borrow, and Still by author Ellie Alexander. And this is the 14th book in her Bake Shop Mystery series. It came out on December 28th from St. Martin's Press. And in this novel, the autumnal hues of November fall over the Shakespearean hamlet of Ashland, Oregon. Jules and her team at Tord are working on their biggest event ever. They've been invited to create a chocolate showpiece for the gala opening of a new exhibit, Shakespeare's Lost Pages at Soma. The museum, located on the campus of Southern Oregon University, is getting ready to unveil the Bard's Lost Manuscript, Double Falsehood, which is being touted as the greatest artistic discovery of modern times. In addition to molding luscious, silky chocolate into magnificent structures, Tort will be serving an authentic Elizabethan feast straight from the pages of a 16th century cookbook featuring lardy cakes, frangipan tarts, and jellies with chestnut cream. Jules has underestimated the amount of work required to pull off such a culinary feat. She finds herself in the strange position of feeling frazzled and stressed as the day of the gala approaches. However, her team rallies around her, and once the massive works of chocolate art are safely installed at the museum, she can finally let out a sigh of relief and revel in the excitement of the grand celebration. But her relief is short-lived. Right before the unveiling, news quickly begins to spread that Shakespeare's lost manuscript is missing. Not only that, but the security guard tasked with keeping the priceless artifact safe has been killed. Is this a case of a heist gone terribly wrong? Or could it be that a killer is lurking in the museum archives? The second book I'd like to recommend is Death by the Finish Line by Alexis Morgan. This is book number five in the Abby McCree Mysteries, and it did come out on December 28th from Kensington. When a body turns up on a race route, Abby McCree hits the ground running to catch a killer. Overcommitted, Abby has once again been drafted to use her organizing superpowers, this time for a 5K charity run that's part of the Founders Day celebration in Snowberry Creek, Washington. At least she has help, albeit from an unlikely source. Gil Pratt, a member of her handsome tenant Trip Blackstone's veterans group and co-owner of a motorcycle repair shop with his brother. Abby and Gil may seem like an odd couple, but they work great together. The event seems to be running smoothly until city council member James DeSalvo is found murdered in a ravine along the race route. Unfortunately, Gil's brother Gary had a very public argument with DeSalvo minutes before the race, making him the prime suspect. Now the two race organizers must again team up to prove Gary's innocence before the real killer makes a run for it. But one wrong step and Abby may be the next one to come in dead last. That's all for this week's episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Get Cozy Podcast to see which authors we'll be hosting in our upcoming episodes. Also follow me at Cozy Christie. That's Cozy K R Y S T I to see which cozies I'm reading and recommending. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy reading and stay cozy.